Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. If you experience any kind of failure, know that's your ego. And don't chase it away or push it down or whatever. Just see it. Oh man, 30 minutes of meditation just ended and I'm still not enlightened. That's the ego. (laughs) You had an expectation. Understandable. I mean, you're doing it for something. Hi, it's Joseph and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. As we continue to work our way through meditation for awakening, I want to talk about the importance of curiosity and exploration in a meditation practice. In many ways, this really is the most important thing, but we need to be careful about not letting our curiosity lead us into the common trap of comparing ourselves to others in the process or to anything. Only the ego compares, which is not to say it isn't sometimes useful, just not at all in your meditation practice. You have to lose comparisons and expectations from the equation entirely in order to allow meditation to happen through you. Also, it's that time again. Clear and Open Spring Quarter begins April 1st, 2021 with the next live course, Psycho-Spiritual Dimensions of the Enneagram. Now, you may have heard of the Enneagram before, but the way most people relate to it is as just another personality typing system when it's actually the mother slash father, it's the parent of all personality typing systems. When you understand this model, you can see that literally every personality typing system is derivative of it, unusually quite dilutedly. Yes, dilutedly is a word. It is now. The Enneagram is so powerful that it changes the way you relate to yourself and others irrevocably. You will wonder how you ever lived without it, especially if you manage people. This course will be a deep dive into the psycho-spiritual dimensions of the Enneagram, aspects not usually talked about, which have immense ramifications everywhere in your life. Usually your key life lessons are revealed through the Enneagram. Not knowing the Enneagram is like not knowing your own gender, in my opinion, because it sheds just that much light on who you are, what drives you, and how to be the best version of yourself. I use it constantly in my work with people. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've maybe never heard me mention it uh, actually in one of the podcasts, but trust me, I'm always using it. It's one of my secret weapons. That's not really a secret. I just haven't taught a course about it yet. So when you know the Enneagram deeply, it's like having x-ray vision into yourself and others. I would love to share this with you. It's such a powerful tool. In this 11-week course, I'm going to impart that ability to you. Sound interesting? To learn more, go to clearandopen.com slash Enneagram. That's E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M. Enneagram, just like it sounds, I guess. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much for listening. Let's start the show. Should I try to go to different places because control is such a, a shadow for me? Should I try it to do it in different places, but places that are similar to the construct of where it works? Um, or should I, because if I continue in the same spot in, my, in the bedroom, then I, I do believe I'm putting a control over it and I won't be able to break out of that. 
I would say uh, have your sort of safe place where you do your best meditation and your environment is most controlled and then experiment in other moments. And it doesn't have to be, you know, you might do 15, 20, 30 minutes in your favorite spot. And then you might do five minutes, you know, somewhere else where it's harder. So you, it's, you know, the fun, the most important thing about meditation, I think, is the spirit of exploration. That you're just really playing around, not in an unserious way, but that you're really applying like, because there's no formula. There's no formula. Um, I talked to, uh, I had the privilege of speaking to a, a friend of mine uh, and a colleague introduced me to a bona fide ordained uh, Soto Zen priest I talked to yesterday because uh, I had some questions for him. And one of the things he said is, be careful about uh, engineering too much other people's meditation paths because you've found something that works for you. Just remember that everyone's path is unique. And so there's a metaphor that gets used a lot in Zen that is uh, like a cut gem. And so I'm one face of that gem and each of you is another face. And so it's all the same gem, but each of us has a completely unique to you angle on things. So that's why exploration is so important. And I'm going to give you guys a different guided meditation every week because some of them are going to be completely useless for you. And then you'll find some subset that's like, ooh, yeah, that's it. And it could be that the ones you think are useless is because they're actually the best and you're avoiding them. You know, whatever. It's just, there is a sort of spirit of you keep throwing stuff against the wall and you see what sticks. And there's also, this is one of the things I wanted to talk about, so I guess here it is, the, the wisdom of failure. There's this expression that gets used in Zen sometimes called basing your practice in your failure. And you know, failure is such a fascinating idea. Failure, the, the concept of failure only exists in the egoic domain. And the reason for this is because the concept we have of failure requires a priori, before the fact, an idea about what's supposed to happen, right? There can be no failure without a certainty about what was supposed to happen. So oftentimes you don't realize you had a certainty about what was supposed to happen until it doesn't go that way. And then you're like, crap, this is a failure. Or you feel shame or depression or whatever. And you don't, you, you don't necessarily see the a priori assumption you had of, oh, I had an expectation that it would go exactly as planned, right? Lots of us had plans for 2020, didn't we? <laughs> Right, no one's plans for 2020. I mean, that could be like a 80 percent of the world statement, 90 percent of the world statement. No one's plans for 2020 are going as planned. I mean, has has that happened in our lifetime? I don't think so. And you can see, even moment to moment during the day, you can like. Sometimes you're like, "Wow, this is exciting!" Like, who knows what's going to happen next? And there's this sort of spirit of open receptivity. And other times there's like this contracting, like, oh man, this sucks. And it's, it completely depends on where you're anchoring your identity in the you that was sure what was supposed to happen. And so now is experiencing this as some kind of failure or not. So in meditation, if you experience any kind of failure, 
know that's your ego. And don't chase it away or push it down or whatever. Just see it. Oh, oh, oh man, 30 minutes of meditation just ended and I'm still not enlightened. That's the ego. (laughs) You had an expectation. Understandable. I mean, you're doing it for something, but there was, you know, if that happens, then just see, oh, there was a little bit too much grip there on on some kind of outcome. Well, Joseph, I'm I'm curious as to how much of that is true outside of meditation because you framed it inside of meditation. So if that if you can take me there, I'm gonna just like cry right now because that makes so much sense to me. In meditation, you experience any kind of failure, know that that is, you know, is your ego. So yeah. outside of meditation as well, yeah. correct? Right. Everywhere. Absolutely. Because, I mean, if you really just see it, you just see like, okay, I'm calling this a failure, which is a concept. And it's based on, because I had an idea about how it was supposed to go. And I thought I was right. But what's actually happening in a failure? You had an intention and you performed an action and then something else that you didn't expect happened. That's it. And then how, does that, how do you go from that to woe is me, I've failed again, I'll never get it. I, do you guys remember that Sesame Street character the, the pianist who would be practicing and mess up and, and then he would go, I'll never get it. And he'd hit his head against the keys. I don't know if I, I remember as a kid that exists. So he really stuck with me. Turned out later because I had a part just like that, <laughs> which I still notice every once in a while. I notice it when I'm practicing guitar. You know, like I'll be practicing and it gets really small and oh, this is getting kind of nauseating and hard. And I know that this part comes up, I'll never get it. You know, he slams his face and it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. So if you've, many of you have seen babies learn to walk, and this is a really great place to observe, they'd have no ego. There's no, I mean, maybe a little bit because they look around and they're proud and there's some some self-reflectivity there. But when they fall down, they don't go, oh man, I'll never get it. Walking is so hard. I'm such a klutz. I'll never be an athlete. There's no point. I'll just crawl around for the rest. Like babies don't fall down and then just crawl for six months. And you got to like convince them to try walking again. That's not a thing. They have no concept of failure because they have no conceptual engine called the ego. So why did I start talking about this, Catherine? I was talking about control and I could feel, I can feel there's a, bow to tie here, but I don't know what it is. Hey, Joseph, I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure if this is the bow you're looking at. Ed often bails me out. Give it a shot. (laughs) So I'm not sure if this is the, uh, the bailout you're looking for, but you kind (laughs) of connected some dots with me. So I have no attachment to being bailed out. (laughs) So I was going to bring up something a couple of minutes ago. And under that context, what I was going to bring up was really an excuse for my meditation not going as well as I'd like it to go. Yeah. Um, So my excuse was that whenever I meditate, I get so mad because um, I have tinnitus. I'm not sure that's how you pronounce it correctly. Ringing in the ears. I've attended hundreds to possibly thousands of concerts without hearing protection before we knew that was a thing. 
or maybe I knew and ignored it or whatever. So, um, and I, it's, it's present right now. Like it's there, but I don't, but when I meditate, it screams like it's all, it's, it's really not fun. And it just makes like, it's, it's so loud when I meditate that it makes me mad at times. I'm just like, damn it. Like why, you know? And so in, you know, so my, my initial question was like, you know, how do you get past it? Like, this is an excuse to get past. And under that context, it's like, well, why do I have ringing in my ears? Because I have ringing in my ears. Yeah. I also, why does it make you mad? It just, I like, I just want it to be quieter than it is. I, and, and I think, I think I'm mad because I'm mad at myself for, you know, irresponsible, youthful Mm -hmm. behavior. And I think that brings up other, you know, other things that have been entirely irresponsible that I've done that have brought me to this point. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, the first layer of like seeing it, it's like, okay, fuck, this is, this is one thing of many other things that I'm seeing. And it's a, this first one was just punch in the face, obvious, right. Which makes meditation really not fun. Right. It makes it, you know, it's just the ringing is literally omnipresent, you know? So, um, I don't know what my question is, but like that was, that started as an excuse. And now hearing that context, it's like, okay. Okay. I got, I got two things for you. Okay. Let me just make sure I don't forget them. I don't know how to do that. Okay. I think I won't forget them. So first of all, um, and everyone can do this. Listen, listen to silence. So everyone's listening. Do you hear that? So that's the experience of you listening. Now sense in your body as best you can. Listen to listening. So there's you listening, like, do you hear that? That's you listening. And then from there, transition to sensing into listening to listening itself. What is listening? What happens with the tinnitus? When you do that, Ed. Well, then it's just more neutral. It's like... <laughs> it worked. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's, it, th- then it becomes more like me just plugging in my uh, electric guitar, like the cool hum of where you first plug it in, uh-huh. where it doesn't bother me. It's just like, oh, that's cool. That's what an electric guitar sounds like. There's a hum when you plug it in, a yeah. low-level hum that's just kind of like, oh, that's cool, right? Yeah. It's where you could be like, oh, my guitar's humming again. Yeah, right. Oh, it's electric guitar. That's what electric guitars do. So if I look at it under that lens, it's like, that's what my ears do. Like there's yeah. this low level buzz that's just there. So it's know? the difference. So what, what, why that works is because it brings you upstream of what you're hearing to yeah. hearing itself. 
And this is no different than whatever else we're distracted by when we sit and meditate. Um, Kurt talked about last time the, you know, the obsessiveness thinking about the future or stress or whatever, or because there's always going to be something. That's the thing. And the ego will say stuff like, well, today I can't really focus because X, Y, and Z happen. And tomorrow it will be A, B, and C. And the day after that, there's an infinite number of letters, right? There's always something. The ego always will serve up some reason to hold on. And so back to the failure thing, in one way, what happens is you, over time, you learn to, you start to see the patterns and you learn to disbelieve it. You know, because the ego makes excuses. Oh, yeah, I can't really focus that well today because, and then the next day it's because, and the next day it's because, and then enough times you go, all right, I'm seeing a pattern here. There's always something. Yeah. Oh, and then the other thing, I almost forgot. How far one thing for Ed? Sure, go ahead. Because I do have the same kind of ringing I noticed in my thing. And now that he brought that to my attention and you brought up the guitar aspect, it actually instills a sense of excitement for me because, you know, every time I hear that, that means something's going to happen. Yeah. Like something. Yeah. It resonates. And then it goes back to my earlier point that I wanted to bring up for me is that you resonate with me as saying finding access. Hmm. So I, I always, and just for me, my meditation or whatever I found to be a meditative state has been wrapped around doing something that has released me or taken me away that gives me access. Mm. And now I'm trying to find how to bring that access to me. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Nice, Chris. Nice. Yeah, and I love the, the, there's, a, the there's a potentiality in a hot guitar, you know, like <laughs> something's about to happen. That's one of the, the 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 joy of that. Like, I have a, a really old PV amp that's just cr- ridiculously loud, and it has this setting. It has a boost setting, and even the bass line is is without the boost, it's loud. And there's this anticipation when I push it, and I do that often. You don't know how loud it's going to go because <laughs> it's really old. It's like, it's got like six. It's like a six tube preamp amp, whatever. And it's crazy loud. And when you push boost, the wiring isn't that great. It's like a 35-year-old amp. You don't know exactly what's going to happen. And you're right, Chris. That, like That anticipation of like how cool is this going to sound? Is the whole neighborhood about to know how cool is it? Like, you just don't know. <laughs> you just don't know with old gear. And I would offer that that kind of potentiality and that, that feeling of like what's going to happen next, yeah. that's there all the time there all the time that infinite potentiality like in the next moment anything could happen what does that feel like the other piece i wanted to uh offer um ed about the anger thing is i would suspect that underneath the anger about the tinnitus is grief so the waking up here's a great example of what i think i talked about last time waking up versus growing up the waking up path would say, would offer something like what I just said about going upstream of it. You know, what's hearing, who's hearing, what is hearing itself go there. That's waking up vector. Growing up path, which is uh, more honoring and concerned with emotions and the person, 
would say, oh, you've got some grief to process there about how you treated yourself. Hey, man, every time I wake up with aches and pains in the morning these days, I'm remembering like, oh, yeah, that's what you get for 12 years of intense martial arts. I kind of didn't expect that. And there's a sort of, um, what's the word? Reconciliation. There's a, there's a, there's a reconciliation, a reckoning to, to do with that. I mean, I think that's true for all of us. We, we treat ourselves and, uh, where's Zach? Zach, listen up because Zach's, uh, near 18. So, uh, you feel indestructible now, my friend, (laughs) but one day there will be a reckoning. So treat yourself well. Or don't, you know, and whatever, do whatever you do. But just know that this is a possibility. Hey, uh, just as a quick aside, I was going back to where I think most of the damage happened was uh, Metallica's And Justice for All Tour. You were going to say Metallica. I knew it. <laughs> In 1989, front row, there were so many explosions in their school. <laughs> like, explosions are no longer a thing. Like, there are more lasers. It's more digital. In 19, I mean, that's how James Hetfield got almost critically burned. Like, that was the tour after that. Like, shit blew up. Like, there were for real explosions on stage. And I was, you know, feet away without ear protection, you know. And it's just, look back on it, I'm like, ah, it's so stupid. Yeah, so be be soft with the part of you that is still hurting from that. Yeah. And that'll help you get under the anger. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that clear and open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.